0: that We have an almighty God. Amen. That nothing is too difficult for him. It's my prayer that no matter what burden you might have tonight, that God just take it away. Amen. And just uh, thank you for being here in the house of God. For those of you who have not been with us, still on spiritual disciplines, we've been looking at the words of Paul to Timothy that says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness We're going to continue on that tonight, but before we do, as always, just ask that the Lord anoint us to receive the word, to understand the word, most of all, to act upon the word once it's received. Amen. Father God, we thank you that you are an almighty God. We thank you that nothing is too difficult for you. We thank you that you've come before us today, God, that you have paved the way for all those that are here to be here. And I pray, Father God, that you have already done a work in the soil of their soul, that throughout this day, God, you've been doing something in their lives so that they would be able to receive your word this evening, receive it with gladness, that it might spring up and bear fruit and fruit that will last. So, God, we confess, as always, our need for you, our need for your anointing, our need for your Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that you would touch my mind, that you would touch my lips, that you would bring to my remembrance, O God, and to my mouth all of those words that you've sown throughout this week into the soil of my soul. I pray that it would be done without any difficulty, Lord God, that it would be done without any distraction. God, that if there's any weight, God, that your people are bearing that would prevent them from receiving the word, we ask that you would take it this evening. That we would be able to be changed by the power of your word. We invite you into our presence. We surrender ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. 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 Again, I just thank you for being here this night. Tim, Paul said to Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. It reminding us, church, that spiritual discipline has a purpose. And that purpose is to make us godly the purpose of spiritual discipline is to make us holy and to make us righteous. It's to, to transform us into the image and to the likeness of Jesus Christ. And the reason for this series, however long it will be, however long the Holy Spirit prompts me to stay on one particular discipline or move on to another, but the whole reason for this series is to help us to become more like Jesus Christ through spiritual discipline and through the habits of devotion that we've been talking about. Talking about over the last several weeks, the discipline that we have focused on the last two weeks is that of scriptural or scriptural intake. The hearing of the word of God, like you're hearing it tonight, like you hear it on Sunday mornings, the the reading of the word of God, which you would do in your own, I hope, personal devotion time in the morning or in the afternoon, at night, whenever you can break away and get into the word of God. This is part of the spiritual discipline. This is part of taking in the word of God and not just the hearing it, not just the reading it, but like I said last week, the studying of the word of God. The studying so that we might show ourselves approved. a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed of the gospel and how we share it and how we wield it. So the spiritual discipline that we've looked at the most so far and actually the only discipline that we've uh, you know covered in detail is taking in the word of God into our lives for the purpose of godliness. And in my prayer and my preparation from last week. I I was trying to get in the Lord's direction. I kind of wanted to go into the discipline of prayer, but the Holy Spirit took me back to uh, Matthew chapter four, which was part of my notes from last week. Wasn't sure how the Holy Spirit was going to lead, but that's what we're going to look at tonight. We're going to go to Matthew chapter four. I'm not going to start there, but that's what we're going to look at in a little bit. We're going to talk about overcoming with the word of God. We ended kind of last week with a scripture referring to that. But before I go there, I want to take just a minute like I usually do to stir you up by way of remembrance. I want you to remember some of the things that we talked about last week or maybe the week before even the week before that because how many of you know that from time to time we've got to be stirred up by way of remembrance. We can't afford to forget the things that we learned last week. We can't afford to forget the things we learned uh, last month or the things that God spoke to us on that day where He just revealed Himself uh, in our lives. Sometimes we've got to stir ourselves up Uh, And stir up our faith by remembering what God has already spoken into our life and some of the things God's already done in our life. Sometimes we've got to stir up our faith by remembering where God's brought us from and what God's brought us out of and where he's brought us to. So, you you know, I, I want us to just every time we come into the house of God, I want to recap just a little bit so that we can be stirred up by way of remembrance. You know, you can go through a real tough week. And forget a lot of the things that God spoke to us. We can go through a rough week. We can go through trials and tribulations in our life. And in the midst of that, God wants to stir us up. He wants us to count our blessings. There's that song. And name them one by one. So we do not forget all of his benefits. So don't we don't forget all of his graces and all of his goodness because you know what? The same graces that got you through last week's trial or last week's tribulation, the same Holy Spirit and the same presence and the same power that got you through one trial is going to get you through another. You know, the last thing the devil wants you to remember is how good God's been in your life. The last thing the devil wants you to remember is that moment in time when you felt like you were sinking in miry clay and the strong right arm of God reached down and lifted you out of that sinking sin and put you on the rock of Jesus Christ. So I say all that just to tell you that I want to just stir us up a little bit with what we talked on last week. Last week we closed out with Revelations chapter 12 verse 11. Which reveals to us that the disciples of Jesus overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the Bible says, and by the word of their testimony. They overcame the trials and tribulations of life. They overcame the heartache and the hardships. They overcame the struggles and the storms of ministry and just life. They overcame the disappointments and despairs. The Word of God tells us that they overcame all of these things in their life. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the Word of their testimony. So I want you to know no matter what trials you're going through, there's a way to overcome. I want you to know that whatever tribulation you're going through, whatever sadness, sorrow, no matter how severe your storm might be, just like the disciples overcame, you and I can overcome. And that's what we're going to look at tonight in Matthew chapter 4. It's an outline of how we can overcome. By one of the spiritual disciplines and by the spiritual discipline that we've been looking at. If you weren't with us last week, we discovered church that the word of our testimony is the word of God. And I'm not going to get into all the detail, but the word of our testimony is the word of God. It is this right here, because without this church, we have no testimony without this being laid at the foundation of our faith. There's no story to tell. There's no happy ending To our life's journey without the Word of God first being laid at the soil of our soul. And I want to encourage you, and I don't want to get into it again, but I want to encourage you. If your faith is not being built on the Word of God... You will struggle. If your faith is not being laid upon the Word of God, it's time to get out whatever kind of shovel you have to. It's time for you to dig a sure foundation and begin to build your life and your marriage and your relationships and your family and your future and your jobs and everything about your life upon the Word of God. It's time to go in and start just building on the Word of God. We should uh, all understand Without the Word of God, we will be overcome instead of being overcomers. We won't conquer. We won't have victory in our life. This is the key to being an overcomer, and it is the Word of God. We need to exercise it. We need to read it. We need to hear it. We need to speak it, and that's kind of what we're going to look at tonight. But in Psalm 119, 9... David asked, and he answered a foundational question to our faith. I'm sure it's a question we've all asked, and I'll talk on that in just a second. But in Psalm 119.9, David asked one of the most important questions. He, He asked a foundational question to our faith, and he asked this. How shall a young man keep his ways pure? David said, How can a young man referring to himself remain godly? How can a young man referring to himself remain righteous and holy in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation? David was asking the question, Oh Lord, when I'm surrounded by greed, when I'm surrounded by lust, when I'm surrounded by envy and idolatry, when there seems to be nothing around me but injustice and impurity, how can I stay pure? How can a young man keep his ways pure david asked one version i read said this it 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 wrote it this way how can a young man overcome this world and i know a lot of us have asked ourselves that question from one at one time or another you see this question that david asked about how can a young man keep his ways pure it's not a question that's foreign to you and me I know I've asked that question in my life, and I'm sure you've asked yourself the same question. How can I overcome? You see, I, I believe when you look at the Greek and the Hebrew and you really study this, David wasn't just asking, how can, I, how can I keep my ways pure? He was asking, how can I overcome? How can I overcome all the trials and the tribulations? How can I overcome all of those things that the devil's going to bring into my life to try to drag me down, to try to defeat me, to try to conquer me? How can I overcome? David asked that question. Some of you might be asking that question tonight. How can I overcome temptation? How can I possibly overcome addiction? How can I possibly overcome this, this trial or this tribulation that seems to be going on in my life? I've been struggling with depression. I've been struggling with anxiety. I've been struggling with fear. I don't seem to have clarity of thought or clarity of mind. How can I overcome these things? David was asking How can I overcome my temper? How can I overcome anger? How can I overcome all of these things that the devil just brings into my life? How can I overcome lust? How can I overcome the desires of my flesh? And Jesus wants us to know, the Holy Spirit wants us to know, that there is an answer to this question. Because if you read this passage without hesitation, without a second thought... Without having to go to prayer, without having to ponder it any longer, David immediately asked and answered the very question. And he said, I will overcome by the word of God. He said, how shall a young man keep his ways pure? He answered it and said, by keeping it according to the word of God. I will overcome by living according to the word of God. I will remain pure by, by guarding my heart and guarding my life according to the Word of God. I'll overcome sin. I'll overcome lust. I'll overcome all of these things. He was saying, I will keep my ways pure by hearted, hiding God's Word in my heart. So that I will not sin against him. David understood the power of the word. He knew that there was one way to keep his way pure. He knew there was one way to remain godly. One way to stay righteous. One way to stay holy. He knew there was one way to remain in right standing with God. He knew there was one way to be pleasing to the father. He knew there was one way to wisdom. He knew there was one way to strength. He knew there was one way to the anointing. And one way to the power. And it was through the word of God. It was through the precious and powerful word of God and it's what the Holy Spirit wants us to wants us to know this evening. If you're trying to figure out how to overcome, you've been putzing around in your own strength and in your own uh, abilities and and you just can't seem to get anywhere no matter how hard you try. 3 steps forward and 2 steps back, 5 steps forward and 10 steps back. You seem to climb and you seem to slip. You seem to step out and you seem to fall. God wants you to know that there is one way to victory. I know that there is a way through the Father and through the Holy Spirit, but it is through the Word of God that you and I are going to have victory in our lives. It's how you and I, amen, are going to overcome. When I read that passage and I read these words that David asked, how shall a young man keep his ways pure? How shall I overcome? By guarding it according to the word of God. I believed he was almost saying uh, that he will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of his testimony. David understood that's how I'm going to overcome. Not in my own might, not in my own strength, not in my own popularity, not in my own position. He understood that when he went out to war that he would only win with the power of God on his side. He was exalted to a high position, the king of all Israel. But David understood there's only one way I'm going to win. And in fact, that's if I'm in right standing with God. This is what you and I need to understand as well. The main reason individuals or someone has no testimony is like I said last week, they have no word in their life. The main reason someone doesn't have a testimony is not because God doesn't want to do something incredible in their life. It's not because he doesn't want to pour out mercy and grace. It's not because he wants to withhold any good thing from you and I. It's because they don't have the Word of God in their life. It's because the precious Word of God has never touched the the soiled soul of their own life. So they have no testimony. It's because the blood of Jesus Christ hasn't washed away the sin. It's because the blood of Jesus Christ hasn't opened up a door of mercy and grace into their life. It's because they have not yet built, and I'm not saying this in a condemning way, but the number one reason you, if it's you, or anyone else doesn't have a testimony, it's because they do not have the Word of God in their life. It's because they haven't received it yet. It's because they haven't believed it yet. You see, there's a whole lot of people that have been sitting in the house of God for a lot of years. They've been hearing sermon after sermon after sermon. Just because you're sitting in the house of God doesn't mean you believe in God. Just because you're sitting in the house of God doesn't mean you've received God. Just because you're sitting in a pew or sitting in a pulpit doesn't mean you have received the truth and the revelation and the power and the anointing of God in your life. It just means you're seeking. It means that you're hungry. But if you truly want to overcome, you must believe and you must receive in the Word of God. Amen. The reason somebody doesn't have a testimony is maybe because they haven't heard it yet. Maybe they haven't read it yet. Maybe they haven't developed the spiritual discipline of spiritual or scriptural intake into their life. A lot of people don't have a testimony because they just haven't studied the word of God yet. You see, you need to understand that God wants to take you from glory to glory to glory to glory. He wants you to experience more of Him. You see, God is so glorious and God is so righteous and God is so holy and God is so majestic and God is so powerful. Listen, you can only have a glimpse of Him. You and I can't see the fullness of God until we are transformed. We see in the mirror dimly today, but one day, one day, you and I are going to behold Him in all of His glory. One day, we're going to see Him face to face, and we're really going to see who God is and what God is and why. All these years, He was worthy of all of our praise. Right now, we can't see Him fully. And unless we have the Word of God, we can't see Him at all. Can't understand Him at all. Can't know Him at all. Can't love Him at all. Can't trust Him at all. Can't worship Him at all. We talked about that last week. Without the Word of God, church, we are void. Victory is fleeting. You need to understand that without the Word of God, we will be overcome. Without the Word of God, we will lose the battles that we fight. Without the Word of God, we will not have victory in our life. We will not be the victor, and we will not be the conqueror. Remember, Jesus said, these words are life. Life. These words are life, Jesus said. Without them, we are dead. Without them, we're overcome. Without them, we're lost. Without them, we are conquered. I also want you to remember that God himself said in Isaiah 55:11. Most of you should know this. My word will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish the very purpose for which I sent it. I want you to understand what God was saying is that my word will do what I sent it to do. And I hope you understand this evening that when God opened up His mouth and He sent forth His word, He didn't do it haphazardly. I want you to know that when the Almighty God, when Jehovah God, opened up His mouth and He uttered a single word, He didn't do without direction. He didn't do without a plan. He didn't do it as a second thought or an afterthought. I want you to know that when God Almighty opened up His mouth and He let go of His word, He let go with a purpose and He let go with a plan. He let go with a vision. He. he let go with a mission. He let go understanding exactly what he wanted that word to accomplish. And God Himself said, My word is so powerful. My word is so anointed. My word is so true. My word is so real. My word is so alive that no matter where it goes, it will not return void, but it's going to do every single thing I intended for it to do you got to listen to me, church. If you don't let the Word of God do what it has the power to do in your life, it's going to do it in someone else's. I hope you understand what I'm saying. If you don't allow the power, of the, uh, the, the, the power of the Word of God to be released in your life and do something miraculous in your life, it's going to move down the aisle. It's going to move down the row. It's going to move down the neighborhood. And it's going to find a life that is willing to receive the power of God into its life. Because His Word will not return void. You might have a stubborn heart. It has nothing to do with the power of God. You can be as stubborn as you want, rebellious as you want. It's not going to change the power of the word of God. Because if this rose not ready to receive, that rose hungry, if that rose not ready to receive, that rose ready. I, I, I know you're all ready tonight. I just got to have a visual example to give you. Amen. So we need to understand. That God's word will not return void. It had a mission. It had a purpose. And it wants to accomplish it in your life. The biggest reason that we're not allow, we're not seeing these things happen in our life. We're not ready to receive it. We're not willing to receive it. We don't believe what he says. Sometimes we act like it's nothing more than a fable. Nothing more than a fairy tale. Sometimes we don't believe it. Sometimes we think, oh, that's too good to be true. But God said, my word will not return void. It will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. You need to understand, if you don't claim the promise of God, someone else will. If you don't believe the Word of God, if you don't receive the Word of God, someone else will. If the person you've been witnessing to today turns a deaf ear and turns a hardened heart, don't give up. Don't be faint. Someone else is going to receive it. Someone else will open up to it. You can go back to that other person. You can keep knocking. You can keep chipping away. But don't give up because His Word will do what it was sent to do. You and I need to understand that if you don't speak the word of God, if you don't exercise the the authority that the word of God gives you, someone else will. Someone else will, church. God's not a man that he should lie. He's not a son of man that he should change his mind. When God speaks, God acts. When God makes a promise, God fulfills. You need to understand that his word will not return void. It will do what he sent it to do. I hope you understand what God's word was sent to do. You see, you and I need to understand that the Word of God was sent to set the captives free you need to understand that the word of God was sent to move mountains out of your way. You need to understand that the word of God was sent to slay your Goliath. You need to understand that the word of God was sent to part your Red Sea and roll back the waters of Jordan. You need to understand that the word of God was sent to open up blind eyes, it was sent to set the captives free. It was to open up prison doors. the word of God was sent to cause the lame to walk and the deaf to hear. You understand what I'm saying? God sent His Word for a reason. Amen. It wasn't any second thought. No afterthought. He sent His Word to heal the sick and raise them up. He sent His Word to forgive us. He sent His Word to cleanse us, church. He sent His Word to bring us into right relationship with God. He sent His Word to to do exactly what that song that we sang said. Take a heart that was stained like crimson and wash it and make it white as snow. You need to understand that God sent His Word so that you and I might overcome. So that you and I might have life and have it more abundantly. You see, the Word of God says that devil, the Satan... The the father of lies, the ruler of darkness. He wants nothing more. He comes for one reason. That's to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, so that you might have life. And not just life, but life what? More abundantly. Without the word of God in the soil of your soul. Without the word of God as the building block to your faith. You can't enjoy life. And you cannot have it more abundantly. I hope you understand what I'm saying. His word is not going to return void, but it's going to accomplish the reason for which he sent it. The question is, will God's word accomplish what it was sent to do in your life? Or is it going to accomplish it in someone else's? Will we allow it to accomplish its purpose in our lives? Or will its power be manifested in the guy down the street or the person sitting behind me or the the individual sitting next to me? You see, the same power is available to every single one of us, all of us, but it will only be made manifest to those individuals that receive it and believe it and exercise it in their life. This is what we're going to look at. I hope you understand that when we receive the word, when we believe the word, when we hide the word of God in our lives, when we speak the word, when we wield the word against our enemy, we are releasing the power of God into our lives. We're releasing the power to live and the power to overcome. In 1 John 1, 12, it says, To all who received and believed they were granted and given the, the power to be called sons and daughters of the Most High God. They were given the, the power to be called the children of God. I hope you understand tonight that you are the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. You are sons and daughters of the one that was and is and is to come. You are sons and daughters. You are children of the Holy One of Israel, the one true God, the only wise God. You are the one that, that, that uh, can make yesterday everything that He promised it to be. He holds tomorrow in your hand. You and I are sons and daughters of the Most High God. He has given us that power. But we have to receive that power. We have to receive the word. We have to receive that position that we have in the kingdom of God and in the house of God. Or it doesn't mean anything. You see, we have the right. We've been granted and given authority over every unclean spirit. And yet an unclean spirit comes into our life. And what do we do? Woo-hoo! We run away. We go hiding from the enemy. We hope he doesn't see us. We hope he doesn't come our way because we don't realize that we've been given the power to be called the sons and daughters of the most high God. I'm not saying that that we should be arrogant. I'm not saying that so we should be proud. I'm saying that so we understand that he's given us everything we need to overcome, including the word of God. How many of you want to live? How many of you want to overcome? We're going to look in Matthew chapter 4 and find out how we can do that in the last few moments that we have see how I can get through it. But Matthew chapter four, and I'm not going to read it word for word. I'm going to just lead us through it. and You can read the, the, the scriptures that I highlight, but in Matthew chapter four, it shows us that when Jesus was led in the wilderness prior to his earthly ministry, the devil tempted him three times. The Bible tells us, and all three times he overcame by what? He overcame by the word of God. He overcame by speaking the word of God to the enemy in the midst of his temptation, in the midst of his wilderness situation, he overcame three times by the word of God. Before I go on, I want you to realize that every temptation to give in a man falls into one of three categories. Every sin, every temptation that you and I will face will fall into the category of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes or the pride of life. No matter what temptation comes your way, we'll fall, all of them will fall into one of those three categories. And when you read this passage, when you read Matthew chapter 4, you're going to see that Jesus was tempted in all three of these areas. And he overcame every time by the word of God. Jesus spoke under God's authority. This is what I want you to remember. When Jesus was in the wilderness... When Jesus was tempted by the devil and we're going to look at the specific temptations but when the devil came at him and he spoke the word, he didn't speak his own word. I want you to understand that even Jesus, the Son of God, spoke the words of his Father. You see, if you remember Jesus said to the listeners I I, I don't speak on my own accord. I only speak that which my Father bids me to speak. I only do what my Father bids me to do. I don't walk in my own strength. I don't walk in my own authority. I walk in the authority and the power of my father God and everything he tells me to speak I speak so Jesus even as the son of God in the wilderness when he was tempted did not speak his own words he spoke the words of his father he spoke the word he said each time it is written it has been written by the hand of my father and this were these were the words that he stood on these were the words that he used to overcome temptation I want you to realize whenever you're going through temptation, your words aren't going to get you anywhere. Your words aren't going to bring victory into your life. Your words aren't going to chase the devil away. Your words aren't going to cause the sun to shine and and the stars to stay bright in your life. It's the Word of God that you have to speak. It's the Word of God we have to cling to. And this is what we have to look at. If Jesus needed to speak the Word in His wilderness, how much more do we need to speak the Word in ours? If Jesus, the son of God, had to speak the word of God in his wilderness, how much more do we have to speak the word of God in ours? If he needed to exercise the authority of God in his life, how much more do we have to exercise the authority of God being the word of God in our lives? Understand the main reason most of God's people are losing the battle, like I said, is because they are not speaking the word of God into their life. You see, it's one thing to to read it, it's one thing to know it, it's one thing to understand it. But we have to start releasing the word of God into our life. We have to start speaking the word of God over the situations that we face in our life. When Jesus and the disciples were out in the storm and the storm came, right? You know the story. The storm came and they were tossed about to and fro and the disciples were thrown into a tizzy and they panicked and they thought God didn't care, thought Jesus didn't care. What did Jesus do? He spoke. He stood up. Against those raging winds and that stormy sea, and he stretched out his hand and he said, Peace be still. You see, sometimes we've got to speak our faith. Sometimes we've got to release the authority of God through the words that we speak, and the power of God through the words that we speak. That's why prayer is so important. That's why confession is so important. That's why praise and worship is so important. Because it vocalizes, it releases the power of God into our life. The main reason most of God's people are overcome in battle is because they have failed to speak the word of God over their enemy or against their enemy. And that's what Jesus did in this passage of scripture. And we're going to look at it. What you and I need to understand, church, is that when you're facing a mountain, grumbling at your mountain isn't going to move it. Fussing at your mountain isn't going to get it out of the way. Standing up there and, and, and cussing at your mountain isn't going to move it. It's not going to take care of it. It's not going to cause it to disappear. It's not going to cause it to be cast into the sea. You need to speak the word of God. You need to release the authority of God to that mountain. Bible says, speak to the mountain and it shall be moved. Don't kick it. Moses got in trouble when he said that. God told Moses, speak to the rock. And watch something flow forth. But he didn't. He got, he got mad. He got upset. And he, he struck it. And so often we go through life striking at our enemy. We go through life striking at our situation. Striking at our circumstance. Cursing at it. Fussing at it. Grumbling at it. When all we've got to do is open up the Word of God. Open up our mouth and speak the Word of God against it. And it will be moved out of the way. This is what you and I need to understand. Releasing the Word of God will help us to overcome. It's exactly what happened with Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Look at it real quick. Verse 1. It says, Then Jesus, after being baptized in water, was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He was about to be tested, church. He was about to be tried. And something uh, most of us don't want to have to endure in our Christian walk or these trials and these tribulations. We don't want to have to go into a desert place. And how many of you understand sometimes God takes us there? I want you to understand that in our Christian walk, sometimes in our Christian walk, God will lead us to a desert place. Sometimes He will lead us to a desolate place. Sometimes He will take us into our own wilderness. But I want you to understand it's not to defeat us. It's not to bring us down. It's, it, it's not to destroy us. It is to build us up. It is to take us from glory to glory to glory. It's to mature us. It's to, it's to develop within us a character. And a righteousness that we would not have without it. You see, the thing that I don't want you to confuse, I don't want you to think or get a misunderstanding of God that, oh, He was led into the wilderness to be defeated. He was led into the wilderness to be overcome. He was led into the wilderness. I don't want you to think that God takes pleasure in your pain. He doesn't. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says that God will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able to bear. Because no matter what temptation you face, no matter what temptation you encounter, the Bible says that along with that temptation, He will provide for you a way of escape so that you might endure. You see, the biggest problem that we face though is that when we are led into our wilderness, when we're led into this place of temptation, this trial and testing where God wants to develop us, where God wants to mature us, where God wants us to rise up, wants us to rise up and where He wants to strengthen us where he wants our roots to go down deeper, when we find ourselves in that that wilderness situation, in the flames or in the fire, we forget all about the escape route God has given us. We forget all about the, the way of escape that has been provided. We forget about the Word of God. We forget about the promises of God. We forget about the Spirit of God. You see, most of us get burned in life because we have failed to find the way of escape. Because we have failed to, to take the way of escape God has provided us. And, and when we are overcome by temptation, who do we blame? We blame God. We fuss at God. We complain to God. Why would you let this happen? Why would you, when all along, He has given you and I a way of escape. It'd be like saying, look, I don't want to get too far off because I don't have a lot of time. But it'd be like an individual that's caught in a fiery building. And he has right in front of him an escape route. He knows exactly what doors to go through. He knows exactly what hallway to go down. He knows exactly what stairwell to use. And he does not use it. It's exactly the same with you and I. God has given us a way of escape. He's given us a way to overcome every temptation that we will ever face in life. We simply have to use it. We can't blame God when we refuse to use the escape route he's given us. We can't blame God when we refuse to go to prayer. We can't blame God when we refuse to open up the word of God. We can't blame God when we refuse to to worship in order to open up the windows of heaven. We can't do that, church. He has provided us a way of escape. And we have to learn how to take it. This is exactly what Jesus did. He provided a way of escape. Sometimes, well, God will take us to a place of testing Sometimes God will take us to a desert in order to strengthen our faith, church. Like I said, in order for our roots to go down deeper, sometimes God will take us or allow us to go through a pit in order to get us to the palace. We need to understand these things. Sometimes God will take us through a fire, not to destroy us, but to purify us, to refine us. Sometimes he'll take us through the flood to do the same thing, not to wash us away, but to wash our sins away, to wash our complacencies away. Sometimes, church, we need to understand that it will take us to the middle of a storm in order for us to find the anchor that holds. To find the, the God who never fails that we sang about. So often, we fail to look at these trials and tribulations as a tool God is using to make us more like His Son, Jesus Christ. Sometimes we fail to look at them as a tool God is using to strengthen our spiritual disciplines, to get us to our knees, to get us to a place of prayer, to get us to seek for an answer, direction. Amen. I think this is exactly what we need to understand. Jesus was tempted by the flesh. I'm going to have to get through this real quick. After 40 days, he was tempted by the flesh. After 40 days, the Bible tells us that he was hungry. After 40 days, the Bible tells us that his stomach began to cry out for food. After 40 days, the Bible tells us that his flesh was making itself known. You understand that? I think all of us have been there. After 40 days, his stomach began to grumble and his stomach began to complain. His stomach wanted to be fed. His stomach wanted to be satisfied. He was tempted by the lust of the flesh, church. And at that very moment of weakness, at that very moment, guess who showed up on the scene? The devil did. I want you to understand he's going to do the same thing with you in your very moment of weakness. Your very moment of of despair in your very moment of, of struggle in your life. The devil's going to show up and he's going to tempt you in one way or the other. Either with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or with the pride of life. Satan showed up and he said, why not turn these stones into bread, Jesus, and satisfy the desires of your flesh? Why not take these stones that are worth nothing... And make them satisfy your flesh. And I'm going to expand on that just in the last couple minutes that we have. Why not give in to these cravings, the devil was saying. Why not give in to the desires of your flesh, Jesus? No one's looking. No one's watching. Come on, Jesus. Why don't you just satisfy yourself? No one's ever going to know. No one's ever going to find out, Jesus. Just you and me out here. Why don't you just turn those stones into bread and satisfy the longings of your flesh? How many of you know the devil does the same exact thing for you and me? He shows up when our flesh is weak. He shows up when our flesh is hungry. He shows up when our flesh is crying out and when our flesh makes itself known. He shows up when you're tired. He shows up when you're down. He shows up when you're stressed. He shows up, the devil shows up when your bank account is low and your anxiety level is high. This is when the devil shows up in our life. He tempts you when you've had a bad day and when tomorrow looks even worse. He shows up in your wilderness situation and he says the same exact thing. Why not turn these stones into bread? And I hope you understand this is what he says to us. Why not turn these stones? You see, because there are stones in our life that are worth absolutely nothing there's stones in our life that will not satisfy the desires of your soul there's stones that cannot nourish there are stones that cannot set you free, there's stones that cannot give you life and the devil's going to show up just like he said, did with Jesus and said why not take one of these stones and satisfy the desires of your flesh why not pick up this bottle of booze that's not worth anything that can't give you life and can't give you hope, can't set you free can't cause you to overcome, can't give you victory why not take this stone and satisfy yourself with it why not take the stone of drugs why not take the stone of alcohol why not take the stone of of lust why not take the stone of pornography and try to satisfy yourself with it and the saddest story is we give in we pick up those stones and we try to satisfy the longings of our soul with a stone with something that's worth nothing can't have life our entire life we got sons and daughters of God that are turning to stones instead of turning to the word of God you see Jesus didn't turn to a stone for his sustenance he turned to the word of God and he said what he said man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God Jesus said that stone's not going to satisfy me That stone's not going to fill me up. That stone's not going to quench the thirsting of my soul. It's not going to satisfy the hungry. But the Word of God, the bread of life, will give me everything that I need. And you and I need to understand the same thing. You want to overcome the lust of the flesh? Speak the Word of God. Break the bread of life. This is how we overcome the lust of the flesh. Don't go through life, church, trying to satisfy your soul with stones that have no value, stones that have no nourishment, and stones that cannot offer you life. He was saying, why not give in to those carnal cravings? But what did Jesus do? He spoke the word of God. You want to overcome? Hide the word of God in your heart like David said. You want to overcome, you want to defeat the flesh, speak the word of God over your life. You want to put the devil in the flesh to fly, or the devil in your flesh to flight, then start wielding the word of God in your life. I want you to understand in the midst of this temptation, Jesus found his way of escape. You, you gotta remember, Jesus was flesh, just like you and me. Jesus needed a way of escape. Jesus needed to overcome the temptations of the devil, and he did it with the Word of God. Why is it we wait so long to break the bread of life when the devil's tempting us and the devil's coming after us? Why? I don't know why. I find myself asking me the same exact question. Jeff, why'd you wait so long to just break the bread of life and find satisfaction in something other than a stone? I'm going to try to move on to the next one real quick. Jesus spoke the word of God. He overcame the lust of the flesh. He overcame the hunger of his flesh and the cravings of his flesh. He overcame the the temptation of the flesh with the word of God. And so must we. But a minute or two later, the devil comes to him again. You read the story because how many of you know, church, that the devil doesn't give up? The devil is not going to give up just because you were able to speak the Word of God one time and just because you were able to claim victory one time doesn't mean the devil is going to give up. Listen, if one giant didn't kill you, he's going to send another one. If if, if Goliath isn't able to bring you down, then he'll bring a Bathsheba into your life. You see, you need to understand if one giant can't bring you down, he'll bring something else into your life. If one trial wasn't enough to knock you down, he's going to send another one. If one storm wasn't enough to sink you, he'll bring another storm. If one sorrow wasn't enough to stop you, if one temptation wasn't enough to end your ministry or end your life or put an end to your faith, he'll just send another and another and another. And you and I need to be ready for every temptation that comes our way, church. He did it to Jesus. He'll do it to you and me as well. I'll close with this one because I don't want to run too long. But in verse 5, the devil tempts Jesus with the pride of life. He tempted him with the lust of the flesh, and now he tempts him with the pride of life. And the Bible tells us that he takes him into the holy city, and he stands him on the top of the temple supernaturally, supernaturally. It's not like they took this walking journey all the way to Jerusalem, supernaturally. The devil, I want you to know the devil is supernatural. The devil can show you visions. The devil can cause you to dream dreams. The devil can speak words into your life that aren't true words. The devil can lead you astray. I want you to know that the devil is a supernatural being and he can pose as an angel of light. He can speak all fancy words. You need to understand in the Word of God that the devil himself said, It is written, Jesus. He spoke the Word of God. So you better be careful who you listen to. You better be careful whose word you receive. You better be careful what vision you chase after and what word you want to become manifest in your life because it could be right from the devil and it could lead you completely astray and lead you to destruction. It's exactly what the devil wanted to do. He perched him up there on the temple, on the top of the temple and he tempted him with the pride of life. I'll close with this. He He said this. He said, If you really are the Son of God, you know he's messing with the, with the pride. If you really are everything you say you are, if you're all that and a bag of chips, if you're everything you think you're cracked up to be, then why don't you just throw yourself off of this temple? For it is written, He will give His angels charge concerning you in all of your ways, and in their hands they will catch you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You know, he was tempting Jesus' pride. He wanted Jesus to lay down his humility, and he wanted his pride to rise up. He wanted, listen, he wanted Jesus to defile the temple. Jesus was standing on the pinnacle of the temple. And what devil wanted Jesus to do was defile the temple with pride. I want you to understand that your life can be defiled by pride. I want you to understand that when you bring pride into the house of God, when you bring pride into a marriage, when you bring pride into a relationship, when you bring pride into any area of your life, it will defile what God is trying to do. This is exactly what the devil wanted Jesus to do, to jump off and defile the temple with pride instead of fulfilling God's plan and purpose through humility. And he overcame by the Word of God. He defeated pride with the Word of God. If you want to defeat pride, it starts with the Word of God. If you want to defeat pride, surrender yourself to the Word of God. If you want to defeat pride, don't lean on your own understanding, don't lean on your own wisdom, don't lean on your own strength. Lean on God, trust in God. Turn to God. Surrender it to God. Open up the Word of God. Seek His direction. Seek His will. Seek everything that He wants for your life. Do not allow pride to defile this temple. You see, you and I are the temple of the Lord. And when you allow pride to come in, you allow pride to raise itself up and sit on the throne in the pinnacle of the temple. Guess what? God can't use you. God can't bless you. You cannot overcome. You will not be victorious. And the only way that we can find humility The only way that we can find the power of God and overcome is by allowing this to be seated on the throne of our temple. On the pinnacle of our temple. Your entire life, I know I'm going on and this isn't even in my notes. The number one thing that the devil wants to do is to remove this from the temple and put pride in its place. And I'm not even going to have time to go on to the next. But if you're here tonight and you say... I, I, I just, I, I need to overcome pride. I need to overcome the lust of the flesh. There's some things in my life that I've just been giving room to. Look, I'm not saying it has to be some gross, uh, gross, wild sin. I'm just saying that there's an area of your life where you've been a little reluctant to give it over to God. There's something in your life that you know is keeping you from being what God wants you to be. You've been holding on to it, and if you're here tonight and you say, God, I just need to completely surrender because I don't want to defile this temple. I want to be an overcomer, and I want good things to come into my life. And if that's you, I just want you to stand to your feet. I'm not even going to be able to get to the last temptation tonight. But you're here tonight, and you say, God, I want to be a holy temple. I want to be a righteous temple. I want to be a godly temple. And I know that it starts with the Word of God. This is what we're going to have to pray before we close. Otherwise, I could go for another hour. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just praise you for your word. We praise you for your presence. We praise you for your truth, Father God, the revelation that has come forth tonight. I thank you, Father God, that you've given me words to speak, that you've given attentive ears, and you've softened hearts. And now I pray, Father God, that every word that was spoken would find its way into the depths of our soul. There's some individuals here tonight, including myself, God, who have tried to do things in our own strength, tried to do things in our own wisdom. The devil has come into our lives and he has tempted us with the lust of the flesh. He's, he's dangled some things out there. We've allowed our flesh to, to be satisfied. God, there might be some of us here who have been trying uh, to satisfy the desires of our flesh with the, the stones of life. I pray, God, that they would no longer find a place in our lives. God, if there's any stones that need to be removed, if there's any stones that need to be taken out of the soil of our soul, I pray that You would do that, that You would take out hearts of stone and put in hearts of flesh tonight, that You would wash away every sin. And I pray, God, tonight that we would never defile this temple, that we would never defile this holy dwelling place of the Most High God with this wicked thing called pride. And I pray that You would teach us to understand that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony, we overcome by the word of God, just like Jesus Christ did in his wilderness place. I'm praying, Father God, if there's anyone here tonight that's in a wilderness, anyone here, Father God, that seems dried up, anyone that, 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 that feels like you're a million miles away and they're lost in their desert, I pray, Father God, that you would just strengthen them. I pray that you would use the Word of God to build them up. I pray that they would use the Word of God to drive away the enemy, that they would use the Word of God as their way of escape, Father God, that they might be able to endure whatever it is that they're going through and let them trust that you will never lead us into a temptation, Father God, that will destroy us or defeat us, but that you take us to places to strengthen us, to make us more like you, to purify us and cleanse us and to give us an anchor to to cling to. I pray that you would use this word, let it find a place in the soil of our soul, and let it bear fruit this week. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. 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 Let's bless the Lord one more time, church. Amen. Amen. If you need special prayer, I'll tarry with you. I apologize if I went a little longer. We'll pick up next week as the Holy Spirit leads.